Welcome to In the Crucible podcast. Today I have with me Ken Holmza. He is a fractional CFO. He's been doing this for a number of years, and he is absolutely committed to improving business performance. He's worked with a number of clients, billion-dollar organizations, startups, everything in between, and Ken is a an expert in this arena. He is also the author of a outstanding book called Your Cash is Flowing, Why Every Entrepreneur Needs to Think Like a CFO. So, Ken, we're going to get into a little bit of that today, and welcome to the podcast. Joe, thank you so much. I, I appreciate your kind words in the introduction, and I'm really excited to be with you today and in front of your listeners. Well, I'm excited to have you, Ken. Let's jump right in. I think the first question our listeners might have on their minds is, what exactly is a CFO and what does a CFO do? Well, a CFO is the person who, who should be providing the financial leadership of the company. And often the CFO is partnering with the CEO and other senior management to provide that leadership. The CFO differs from your controller or an accountant because those functions, as important as they are, are there to do the day-to-day bookkeeping, providing management with good reporting, which the CFO plays a role in. But more importantly, the CFO is there to work on long-term strategic vision of the company. That might mean long-term profitability improvement. That might mean acquisition opportunities. It might mean thinking about how the company moves into different markets, either from a product standpoint or, ge- or a geographic standpoint. I like what you said about the CFO being a, a, a right-hand man or woman to the, to the CEO and providing leadership, that strategic vision. Has, has that been your experience when you function in that in, as a CFO? Absolutely. There's what I call the value pyramid of the finance and accounting function. Imagine, if you will, a pyramid or a triangle with basic bookkeeping at the bottom accounting a little bit further up, management reporting, tactical decision-making, financial planning and analysis. And then as you get to the very top, you have strategic decision-making. That's really where the CFO should be focusing with the strategic leaders of the firm. Well, that's as you know, leadership is near and dear to my heart. And uh, as you say, numbers are the language of the business and cash flow and money are the lifeblood. So in, in what ways would you say does a good CFO provide that leadership across the firm? One of the things that the CFO must do is make sure that all of the different functions are communicating properly and are on the same page and then help express that vision, whether we're talking about a three to five year uh, strategic plan or the, the next year operating budget in terms of numbers and goals so that each of the departments are striving to meet the same goals for the company. I I once worked with a company where everyone had individual targets and everyone could win, but yet the company somehow managed to lose money because the goals weren't really tied together and integrated. And one of the things I helped them do 
is integrate the goals. And one of their concerns was that people could meet individual goals, but yet not get rewarded because the company missed their numbers. And while they were concerned about it, I actually viewed that as a good thing. And the, the result actually was very, very positive because what we found was that people played better together. They realized that their success was tied together. So we saw people reaching out to help cross departments and up and down the organization. And I think that's one of the primary things that the CFO can do to help that CEO provide leadership and a common vision to the to everyone in the organization. Well, that that is that is powerful. I can see people could be uh, striving to achieve their own individual goal, but if they realize that uh, they, they all need to succeed together. Uh, and that cooperation comes into play. I mean, that's, that's, that's just like supercharging the whole process. And I think the good thing about th- those numbers are is they're concrete. I mean, there's, there's no ambiguity there. Does that make sense? <laughs> Absolutely. They are concrete. And my best clients hold themselves very accountable to goals once they are set in place. They drive to make them and they look at them on a regular basis monthly, quarterly, annually, and are always thinking about what do we need to do to achieve the goals we put in place, not just individually, but the whole team. It's providing good advice and financial advice and counsel to the C, uh, the CEO. It's helping the, the company to integrate goals and then also helping to, to monitor and check progress into what we would say in the military is adjust fire based on what's going on. So it's this is interesting for me. I'm learning uh, more about, uh, you know, CFO is just not just the, the numbers person. It's it's a it's really a, a leadership role if done done properly. So it it's absolutely a, a leadership role. And it's not just working with the CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really having that relationship with the other key executives. Uh, yesterday, I, I sat in a um uh, the annual sales kickoff meeting for one of my clients. And I was invited by the vice president of sales uh, to come and attend part of that meeting and hear them talk about their goals for the year. So, so once the CFO establishes, establishes those relationships, uh, he or she will find themselves communicating regularly with everyone at the on the management team. I hear the word credibility kind of coming out of that. So how important is it, based on your experience, to have those types of relationships, not just with the C- CEO, but all the either the rest of the C-suite or senior VPs? Oh, it's it's absolutely critical. The CFO can't really add value by just communicating with the CEO because it kind of becomes a, a command and control kind of relationship, right? The CFO's whispering to the CEO and then he's he or she is shouting out orders to the rest of the rest of the organization. <laughs> yeah. it, it really needs to be much more collaborative. Got it. Yeah. So, you know, this kind of follows into uh, another question. So from, from your perspective, what are key leadership traits that CFOs need or for that matter, anyone in the C-suite? Well, you know what? I'm glad you added anyone in the C-suite because that's really the way I think of it. Um, people in the C-suite generally need to bring three things. They need to bring domain expertise, right? Yep. They have a particular subject matter where they are an expert. Maybe it's sales and marketing. Maybe it's research and development. And certainly in the case of the CFO, it's finance and accounting matters. They also need to be well-rounded. 
they need to understand the other functions. They certainly don't have the domain expertise of the, their fellow leaders, but they have an appreciation and a good understanding of sales and marketing issues, the, the product development issues, et cetera. But then you get into leadership, and I have a, I have a list of seven key leadership traits that I think are necessary for anyone in the C-suite, the CFO, the CEO, everyone. And let me go through those with you. Problem solving. People in the leadership suite need to be problem solvers. They need to prioritize. They need to focus on what really matters because, as I think everyone knows, there's too much coming at us every day to deal with every issue. Along with that, they need to be able to delegate, to understand what's worthy of their time and what can be handled by others in the organization. You know, if I can, I find that uh, that delegation, the cap- capability to delegate is often very difficult for, for senior leaders. Has that been your experience as well? Um, I would say that, that my experience on that is mixed. I find some who are very, very good at delegating mm-hmm. and some who uh, can't seem to let go of the details and are in things they shouldn't be. I will tell you that my most successful clients have people at the top who are very good at delegating. If the, the top leader is in the details, what, what I've found is uh, it, it puts the brakes on work and progress and effort. So um, that one really resonates with me. Everyone then finds themselves waiting for the key leader to make decisions. And then it disempowers others in the organization to just make a decision and move forward. So continuing on with some of those traits, decision making, a leader has to be decisive. And they don't always make the right decision, but when they make the wrong decision, they need to own it. And there was nothing more powerful for me than one day I watched the CEO of one of my client firms stand up up in front of the whole company, a hundred and some people, and talk about a decision he made and acknowledge that he got it wrong, that we learned from it, and we moved on. It was a very powerful moment. And I think it was powerful, in fact, because... People saw him acknowledge that he made a mistake, and to some extent, it freed them to make a decision, knowing that sometimes they might get it wrong as well. It shows it shows that he was human and humble. A- absolutely. Yeah. But then there's communication, being able to communicate your vision to the organization, and and obviously communication is a two way street. They need to be able to listen. And my best client relationships. Um, one of the, one of the hallmarks is there's a great dialogue between myself and the CEO or others on the leadership team. We might not always agree, but we always hear each other's points of view and are able to communicate. Yeah, that, that's, that's huge, Ken. As a, as a coach, um, that ability to listen, as you know, is, 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 is very important, but in, in a leader as well, the, the, the flip side, and maybe you've seen this too, is, the ones that don't listen, they uh, people start to shut off. If people aren't listening after a while, I, I think myself personally and others feel like they're they're beating their head against the wall. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'll, I'll probably do that longer than most uh, <laughs> because I feel like sooner or later I'm going to break through. And, and if I keep delivering a well-thought-out message – that sooner or later it will it will be heard. I haven't always been successful with that. But more often than not, I make some some success. 
but one of the things I touched on when we were, when I was talking about communication was vision. Yes. Right. A leader has to have a vision and be able to paint a picture for everyone about where the organization is going and and how they're going to get there. And along with that, they have to have the drive to make that happen. Yeah. So so by what do you mean by drive? Drive and passion, I think, are perhaps one comes from the other, but they have to be always looking for improvement, always looking for the next hurdle, how to how to get over the next hill. I worked with a client just yesterday where we're talking about. In fact, I've had this. I had this, two of these conversations yesterday. We talked about what went well and what went not so well for 2015. But we were also talking about our goals for 2016, how we could improve, and some of that led into 2017 and 2018 and beyond. And people with Thrive are never satisfied with the status quo. They're passionate about their business, and they're also passionate about improving that business year after year. Those are certainly a great list of traits. Uh, I'll make sure that uh, we provide a link to uh, that list for our listeners uh, when we post the podcast. I think it could prove to be very valuable for them. We talked a little bit, and really in your stories, I see it a lot, the, the, the interaction between the CEO and the CFO, and by extension, the C-suite, uh, is very important. But I, I want to focus on your experience with C- CEOs. How do the best CEOs interact with the CFO? I think the best ones regarded as a partnership. And CEOs typically are entrepreneurial, they're visionary. In bigger companies, sometimes they've come up through the financial ranks, but in small to medium-sized organizations, most often they don't have a great depth of financial expertise. That's not to say they don't understand it, but it's just not their area of expertise, nor is it their area of passion and interest. The best CEOs recognize that they're pulling in a CFO to be their subject matter expert. They are partners in helping to run that business. And there's a mutual respect for the points of view that the CEO and the CFO might have, even when they differ. You know, I had I had one client that I spoke with at a holiday event explain my role as keeping them between the guardrails, uh-huh. making sure that they didn't go off track. What we're trying to do is make sure that the company's always moving in the right direction. And if we see any early warning signs that something's not working or not working as optimally as we should, it's the CFO's responsibility to help make sure that he or she brings that to the attention of the management team and not only comes forward with the issue or the problem, but potential solutions as well. Got it. Yeah. And, and then the C, CEO, based on your experience with the, the best interactions with, with these CEOs, they, they, ex- they would accept that in a spirit of, of partnership, mutual respect, and knowing that you're the subject matter expert and it would be important to listen to that advice. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And if that's not the relationship, then there's something broken and you need to move quickly to either repair that relationship or simply, you know, if it's beyond repair or simply disengage. Everybody wants 
to have that great great relationship with a with the CEO or the boss even we could even just generalize it to the boss you know for you as a, working with all the myriad of companies when you've had a, a a tough relationship like that what are some some remedies that you've tried well look i'm i'm in a unique situation because as a fractional cfo i have a very different relationship with quote the boss than someone who's a full-time employee if a full-time employee and the boss don't have a great relationship, that full-time employee can get fired. Now, my engagement can be terminated as well, but it's it's a very different event for me if that should happen, and it, it never has, than it is when you're a full-time employee. So I get to have a different level of conversation. I almost get to, I get to have more of a peer conversation with a CEO than a leader-subordinate conversation. But... In terms of kind of answering your question a little bit more directly, how do you how do you repair that relationship? How do you make sure it stays on track? You, you know, Joe, I really think it gets down to having upfront direct conversations, and that means sitting across a table the table from someone and discussing discussing your differences. You know, at the end of the day, the CEO has has the job and the title. And he or she has the responsibility to ultimately make a decision. All that anyone on the management team can ask for is that their voice be heard and their opinions be respected and considered when those decisions get made. So the the conversation would be, uh, and I've seen this a lot on on what I do, is, hey, I'm trying to provide uh, advice here. I I feel like I'm not being listened to. Um, I really would like to understand how I can communicate better with you. So a, a conversation like that, they're, they're not easy, uh, but oftentimes um, it, getting through a difficult conversation will change the dynamics of a relationship. Not all the time, but you're not going to know unless you, you sit down and, and, uh, and have that tough conversation. Well, you're right. You're not, go- you're not going to know unless you try. Whichever way it goes, I think ultimately uh, you'll be respected for having that conversation. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. So let's switch gears a little bit. As a fractional CFO, I, I, I'm assuming you've worked with a lot of business that have not had a CFO before. And for those businesses, what do you see lacking that the fractional CFO would, would bring to the table? Probably the biggest thing that is lacking is a broad and common understanding of the company's financial position. Interesting. You know, for whatever reason, people who are not familiar with reading financial statements don't spend a lot of time with them. Therefore, they tend to shy away from them. They'll get a report from their controller or finance manager. They'll look at it, but they won't really dig deep. And I think they're missing, and I think business in general is missing a tremendous opportunity by not digging deep on their financial statements, understanding what opportunities there are to improve the business week upon week, month upon month, quarter upon quarter, year upon year. So do you find your role in your role that you're doing a lot of educating? It's part education. It's part remediation. Uh, some some clients I get, their financial statements are in pretty good shape when I get there. Uh, some they're in very bad shape and you can tell that 
they suffer from too many cooks, uh, too many people have tried to work on financial statements over the years and there's a lack of consistency. I think the single most important I do thing I do is I force the conversation. Got Every it. month yeah. with my best clients, we sit around the table, myself, the CEO, the, the other key leaders, probably the controller, the financial manager, and we talk about what happened last month, what went well, what could have gone better. And the most interesting part of that isn't really about last month because there's nothing we can do about last month. It's yeah. over. It's history. Yeah, yeah. The most interesting part is what what does that tell us about next week and next month in the future? And what trends do we see developing? And what should we do to either improve revenues, improve the cost structure, improve operating efficiency, you name it. I could go I could go on, you know, I could create a long list of things that we can look at. But what you find is as you do that, people become more comfortable with the financial statements. They ask better and deeper questions every month. The questions that came up in the first two or three months no longer come up. They're digging deeper. They're improving their understanding. They're they're building their comfort level with the financial statements. And one phrase I use, and in fact, sometime during 2016, I'm going to launch, a. I have a product that I'm going to launch it's called building your financial strength. And one way to think about this is like going to the gym uh, yes. and lifting weights, uh-huh. right? You have to build your skills and your financial muscles, if you will, so that you're better prepared to work with your financial statements and work with your financial leader. I'm not trying to turn executives into financial analysts and accountants. What I am trying to do is help them become better consumers of financial information. Gotcha. With this process and, and just having you there as, as the chief financial officer on a fractional basis, what kind of results have you seen for companies that embrace you and what you do? I wish I could, had time here to go back and, and pull up statistics, but they're, they're nothing short of amazing. I had a client one year. Uh, they had two years in a row lost, uh, $1.5 million a year. And <clears throat> we got serious about the turnaround. And the next year we booked a profit of 1.5 million. Nice. And I remember, I remember having a conversation with one of the board members and he, he knew the year was going well. And he, he just, when I told him the results, he was just, he was silent for a moment. He said, that's just amazing. How did you really do it? He goes, that's a, he said, that's a $3 million swing. And I said, it was actually very simple. We increased revenues a million five and we decreased costs by a million five. <laughs> and and I, I kind of said, and I, and I got that reaction, while it was on the surface, in some ways it was that simple. Uh-huh. It took a ton of work. It took a ton of decision making. Yeah. But more importantly, it was an example of where we changed the company from, it was why I referenced earlier, being a culture of individual wins to being a culture of the team winning. It really doesn't matter how good the defense is if your offense doesn't put any points on the board. Your special teams have to be good. Every, every function has to be working together in yeah. order to win. So that's one of the cases that I'm, I'm obviously most proud of. But there are just so many others where companies have gotten what I will call breakthrough performance. I had a, a client that... Um, 
his book six figures of profits last two three years hundred you know hundred thousand and change and for 2015 we had a breakthrough year and have recorded over a million dollars of profits that's an outstanding uh change and wouldn't have happened without the entire team working very hard to meet goals and objectives that were set early in the year. I, I think it's interesting uh, that, that uh, okay, as, as a CFO, you are focused on the numbers, but Ken, it seems like you, what you bring to the table is it's more than the numbers. The numbers are important, getting the focus and everything, but it's more than the numbers. That's fascinating. It's the decisions, it's the teamwork, the, the hard calls, the process improvement. It's a lot of things that, that follow on from that. Well, absolutely. The, the numbers are just the result. It's like the score at the end of a football game. You know, it, it's it's all the plays and the decisions and the clock management, the hard work and the preparation off the field and everything else that goes into that final result on the scoreboard. Let's wrap it up with uh, let's let's turn back to leadership a little bit. What do you feel is the single most important recommendation? that you can provide regarding financial leadership? I think the most important thing someone can do is find a good financial partner. Have someone on their team who can be that financial leader and that financial subject matter expert. Make sure that they are committed to the process of spending time reviewing financial results, understanding what decisions led to those financial results, and constantly focusing on improving the business. I think it starts with finding that key financial partner. Ken, I think if there's any companies or firms or CEOs or, or anyone that's listening to the podcast, I think, Ken, you'd be a great choice for them. You've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. You're obviously expert in doing this type of thing. So can you give some information on how people can get in touch with you? Certainly. And Joe, Joe, thank you for, for that closing remark. By, by the way, it, you know, I love what I do and I, and I, I hope it comes through. I'm passionate about this. And, and so I think that's why I've been effective at it. Yeah. There's a couple of ways to get a hold of me. The best is, uh, go to my website. Uh, it's homza.com, H-O-M-Z-A. On there, you'll find, uh, my web address on the contact page. It's very simple. It's Ken at homza.com. My office number, in St. Louis is 314-863-6637. And my, uh, my cell phone number is 513-225-8657. The, uh, the area code is a holdover from my, uh, my corporate days with LensCrafters. Gotcha. Gotcha. And also your book. How can people get your book? The book can be found on my website. Um, but it's also on Amazon. Uh, there's a link. From my, my website to Amazon, but if they uh, search for me on Amazon, they can find the book and an author's page as well. Fantastic. So Ken Holmes, author of Your Cash is Flowing. Well, Ken, I, I very much appreciate it. Thank you for being on In the Crucible. That's Ken Holmes, everyone. Fractional CFO extraordinaire, president of Holmes Consulting, author of Your Cash is Flowing. Until next time.